The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. It's been a busy day over at jeanspage.com. We already got nine stories up. Already got nine stories up. I don't know what your local paper's doing or your other Mississippi State media outlets, but uh, we're covering the Bulldogs and everything related to the Bulldogs. Uh, Been a busy day. A lot to talk about, to say the least. Uh, I uh, have been in contact with the Western Michigan SID. We did the, uh, you know, everything the coach said about the Bulldogs yesterday. Uh, and then player availability today, they had some equipment issues. So no comments from the players about uh, their outlook on the ball game. Uh, plenty of reaction from Bulldog players. And uh, you don't have to be a Jeans Page subscriber to go watch our videos. We video all of the uh, coach and player interviews, and they're available to you. For free, just go to jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports, and you get up to date on everything the Bulldog coaches and players have said about uh, the, you know, the current matchup, last week's matchup, everything. Always free. Uh, come by and check us out. Of course, you should be a subscriber. Again, you can take advantage of our current special that will run through Thursday, 11 p.m. Central, two months for $1. That gets you all the way through the season and then into the heart of recruiting as we uh, begin to uh, prepare for the final official visits of the recruiting process. So uh, a lot of recruiting stuff today to talk about. Always some good stuff to talk about uh, over jeanspage.com. It's, you know, we're, we're committed to this. It's an obsession for us. So come and uh, read our content. Of course, uh, much of that is free, but uh, also there's some uh, – VIP content, uh, Rian Young, our new recruiting analyst, caught up with all of the Bulldogs that were selected for the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game and got their reaction to being selected. That's a cool thing. We're going to talk about the All-Star Game uh, in our first segment of the show. We'll have a great top ten list for you. And uh, we'll begin to kind of look ahead towards the weekend a little bit here. I've learned a lot about Western Michigan. We'll do a full preview uh, of the Broncos on Friday. But uh, – Kind of found some interesting things. Wrote a little thing called Inside the Numbers with Western Michigan today. Just kind of lets you guys get familiar with your opponent. I know a lot of people are thinking, you know what, Steve, it's 11 a.m. game, non-conference game. I'm thinking about staying home. I'm going to encourage you not to do that. Bulldogs need you to be here, not just because of the fact they need you to help support the team, but also, too, I mean, it looks good to recruits. You know, it does. And we always talk about all the things that we do, and fans matter, and you do. You do matter. I don't care what anybody says. What anybody does. The reaction on game day 
The enthusiasm of the crowd makes an impression on recruits. Young people want to go somewhere where their sport matters. They want to know that they're playing in games that matter. And I, I kind of liken it to the whole thing about baseball. You know, it's like, let's say you go play at Kentucky, and Nick Mangione's a friend of mine. I love Nick. I do. And uh, Nick has been an incredible friend to me and my family, especially my son, Donnie, as he uh, began to develop as a prospect himself. Guys, you go out there and uh, you play and you make a mistake in front of 500 people on a Friday night game in Lexington. Nobody cares. You make a mistake here and everybody knows it's on social media. It's everywhere. It's on the message boards because people hang on every pitch. And while some people are not wired to play in that environment, most want to play in that environment. Most want to be in a situation where what they do matters. And that's how it is in football. It's like, hey, I'm here on a visit with my family, and I see uh, these fans out here ringing these cowbells and going crazy and doing what they can to help the team. It really paints a big picture. So I encourage you to be here, not just because of the fact that we're trying to support the current team. We need the fans to help do their part to help build the next team. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, building every community therein to be a better place. I love Bulldog Burger Company. As a matter of fact, I may go there for dinner. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we will. Uh, I love going in there because I know what to expect. You know, I can go a lot of different places with my dining dollar. I choose to go to Bulldog Burger Company more times than not because there is a consistency there when it comes to quality of food and of service and atmosphere. I know exactly what I'm going to get when I put my feet under their table. And I'm going to leave satisfied because the portions are so substantial. Bulldog Burger Company has three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and at times we have some live music there. And then, of course, the Ridge and Flowood area, Lake Harper Drive. We're going to have some tap takeovers and things like that, some interesting things, some chef specials. But the, the thing about it is, is I don't even need a special event to go to Bulldog Burger Company. I just know when I go out, I want to go somewhere that I'm going to leave there satisfied and feeling like I got my money's worth. And I always get more than my money's worth at Bulldog Burger Company. The place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a look at this Mississippi roster. Alabama roster will be released soon. Got a chance to get some guys on there. We're kind of rooting for Josh Flowers, of course, and Ja'Cory White. Uh, we'll see what happens with Caleb Dozier as well. But, um, you know, Ja'Cory White, I interviewed his coach earlier today. This is a young man that needs football. He does. He, he is uh, 6'7", 220 pounds. He was built to play the sport. But, but primarily, it's just been him, his mom, and his siblings. And he is the first to leave home. And, uh, you know, Starkville's not that big of a, a trip from Birmingham. But this is a young man that needed football to get his education. And we're very glad that he picked Mississippi State. The more that I talk to these coaches and learn more about these players, they're going to be a part of our family uh, in the years to come, the better I feel about this class. But uh, let's take a quick look here. Of course, uh, eight Bulldog commitments from the state of Mississippi. Seven of those eight selected to an all-star game roster. The one exception is Terrence Hibbler out of Holmes County Central. I don't know the circumstances there, but I'm shocked that he didn't make one of these rosters. And granted, we, we've got a good group of defensive linemen in the state this year, but uh, I, I think he's one of the best ones. As a matter of fact, I think he's probably, among the interior guys, the most college-ready. I'm a huge Kamarion Franklin fan, huge. I know he's going to Ole Miss, and I know some Mississippi State people would say, well, Steve, you shouldn't say that. Uh, doesn't change the way I feel about him as a player. I think the guy's going to be really good. Now, uh, does he have some things to work on? He absolutely does. But I think that the ceiling for him is really, really high. 
But let's start. We'll run through the list here. Patrick Broomfield, an old Miss commitment out of Clarksdale. He's listed at 6'2", 175. I don't know that I want to get on that scale. I like Patrick Broomfield. I've said from the outset, I really felt he was more of a G5 Southern Miss type guy. But we certainly wish him the best. I'm eager to see more of him when we get down there and uh, have a chance to cover practices. And we, we will. We'll go down there for a couple days. Uh, Amarian Fortenberry from Columbia High School. That's right. The most dominant team in the state right now. That's right. You can stick it. Wildcats for life. Eager to see what Amarian does. And, of course, uh, Mississippi State down there, uh, you know, recruiting some guys, uh, some Wildcats that play on the same patch of grass that I did at some point. Uh, Jathan Hatch from Biggersville. We had him in camp earlier this year. Shortly later, uh, he committed to Louisville. Uh, I didn't think that he was – Overly impressive in camp. I do think that he is a guy that is certainly a Division I player. I'm not sure if he's an SEC player, but I wish him the best. Dre Riley from Charleston. Don't know a lot about him, but I know that uh, six foot 168 as a defensive back, uh, you like the raw materials there. P.J. Woodland, Mississippi State commitment from Oak Grove. They'll be at Meridian this weekend, so if you're out in that neck of the woods, want to go check out a new Bulldog, uh, P.J. will have his skills on display. Now, we're going to make the trip over across the state lines to Alabama. It's homecoming weekend at McAdory High School to go see Ja'Cory Whited play. Uh, so we'll have full coverage of that this weekend, too. Uh, Cameron Beavers and Bay Springs. I really like Cameron. They've got him listed at 270. I don't think that's accurate. I do think Cameron Beavers is the guy that's got the frame to put on the mask to be a really, really good player. Uh, currently committed to Ole Miss. There was some flirtation about potentially him coming back. Uh, and revisiting his recruitment. That has died down a great deal. Uh, Talon Carter from Ocean Springs, a 6'1", 290-pounder. Uh, Kamarian Franklin mentioned him earlier. I'm a huge fan. I, I, you know, granted, he is an elite pass rusher. Got to get better against the run. You know, West Point kind of had their way with him. Uh, but uh, I, I like his upside. Kyle McClendon from Gulfport, a 6'2", 305-pound defensive tackle. Caleb Moore from Oak Grove. We had him in camp this year. Uh, committed to Southern Miss. He's listed at 6'3", 250. I don't think he's quite as big as listed. But he is a young man that plays like a house on fire. Uh, Jaden Calder from Brandon is going to be an inside linebacker. Plays for former Bulldog Sam Williams. And you know, Sam, those guys coach a good brand of football. So you know that Calder is going to be a guy that's going to be very, very disciplined and kind of understand what's expected of him. Uh, Fred Fat Clark from Winona makes it. Not the least bit surprised with this. Saw Fred play earlier this year against Grenada. Very impressed with what he brings to the table. Uh, looks like a college football player already. Atari uh, and Davis from DeSoto Central, another inside backer. Uh, Tristan Jernigan, the Texas A&M commitment from Tupelo, Mississippi State. Still very involved with him. Don't know if we're going to be able to flip him, but we certainly need to. Hayden Wolf from Clinton is your kicker. Judd Boswell is the head coach of the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star team this year, and I, I like our roster. I think we got a really good chance. Hayden Bowden from Raleigh, 6'1", 170-pound, long snapper. Isaiah Autry, committed to Oklahoma out of Itawamba Agricultural High School. He was the guy in the very beginning. Mississippi State kind of got in the mix with him. The discussion back then was if he stayed in state, he's likely headed to Ole Miss. And then he jumps on that Oklahoma offer. Uh, watching him on film, I'll tell you, he's a, he's not quite as physical as you'd like him to be, but, you know, with his girth and size, you feel like once he gets in a college weight room, you can kind of coach that out of him. Uh, Elijah Baker from Hattiesburg, 6'2", 290-pound offensive lineman, plays for Coach Tony Vance, one of my favorite coaches in the state of Mississippi. Uh, you know Tony takes care of these young men and teaches them to be men, not just high school football players. Uh, Zyron Brown from Bay High headed out to Stanford. 
290. I don't know if he's 6'4", but I like him. I really thought State should take him. I don't know if you make him a center, but he's a very intelligent kid. He's going to Stanford. Uh, Caden Hodges from Tupelo, 6'4", 290-pound offensive lineman, plays for Coach Ty Harden. That's a guy that knows how to produce football players. That's a guy that knows how to win football games. Not the least bit surprised to see Tupelo well represented on this list. T.J. Lockhart from Winona, Mississippi State commitment. Uh, 6'5", 380. He's trimmed up a little bit. I don't think he's 380, but he still needs to drop some pounds before he gets to uh, to Mississippi State. I like him, though. I think he's a guard on the next level, but uh, I-, I like the look of this Mississippi offensive line. That's been really more times than not, that's been the difference in the game. When we have SEC or Division One talents up front, we typically win. When we don't, we typically lose, and we've lost three in a row, in case you hadn't noticed. We won 18 and 19, and we've lost the last three years. You find a way to get that turned around. All right, Preston Smith from Grenada had a chance to see him. Again, Michael Fair, you know, again, another guy with a college football pedigree, saw Preston Smith play against Winona. Uh, looks the part, for sure. Kobe Williams from Amory. Uh, you know, Amory, again, a good brand of football over there. Coach Chris Rainey, a former Bulldog running backs over there. And uh, I've been over there, spent some time with that staff. Uh, they really get after it in the weight room. You have to. Will Eccles, Ole Miss commitment from Houston. A lot of people, including myself, thought Mississippi State would get him. He ultimately chooses Ole Miss. Uh, we've got him as an OL. He wants to play defensive line. I think he is an offensive lineman on the next level. I don't know that he's quick twitch enough to play interior defensive line. You know, I'm sure they'll give him a chance to do that. Uh, but I think Will Eccles could probably play football for a long time as an offensive lineman. I think he's probably a guard on the next level. But the reality of it is it doesn't matter what you and I think. If he doesn't embrace that position change, then uh, he's probably not going to do a good job at it. So we wish William the best. I don't think it State's completely done with him. But we'll see how things go. I think State's needs more immediately come from junior college or the uh, – or the, uh, the transfer portal. Julian Demby from Warren Central. I haven't watched him, but 6'1", 205 pounds. And, of course, Josh Morgan, you know, former Bulldog, safety, through the glory years of Jackie Sherrill days. You, you know Warren Central is always going to play a very physical blue-collar brand of football. So Julian Demby has been taught the correct way to get it done, outside backer. Amari Tyson from Picayune Memorial. Listen, 5'7", 170 pounds. You look at that and say, oh, Steve, I don't know. The thing that I've learned about that, Picayune Memorial High School, the Maroon Tide, one of the most physical football teams in this state year in and year out, period. I would put them in West Point up against anybody. I don't care about the measurables. I don't care about the offers. I don't care about any of that stuff. I know this. When you line up to play Picayune and West Point, you better bring a sack lunch. You better have a truckload of them. Jamonte Waller, some people thought he was the best player in this state. I think he's a bit of a tweener. Uh, he is a linebacker build, playing a rush end type position. Does have some length. I'm just not exactly sure how he fits. He's currently committed to Florida. Uh, 6'2", 230 pounds. He is an explosive player. I just don't know that he can get out and cover in space. And I think at his size, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. He's got to be in the right system, and that's the case for a lot of people. He is a bit of a tweener, uh, but definitely an explosive player. Anthony Maddox from Oak Grove, uh, quarterback down there, uh, committed to Texas A&M. Uh, that's interesting, right? I mean, one of the earlier commitments in the state this year kind of flew under the radar. People are like, oh, Oak Grove's quarterback's committed to A&M. Yes. 
Trey Patty from Starkville, that's a guy that Mississippi State is still recruiting. There's still some uh, interaction between he and them. He's committed to Illinois in the draw there, of course. Um, you know, they, they've done a good job at, uh, of recruiting at Illinois. And, um, and so, you know, we'll see what happens, you know. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, former Starville High School quarterback uh, by way of Ole Miss at Illinois now. Um, so, and happy for him. Nathaniel Blount from Blunt from Brandon, excuse me, 5'10", 220-pound running back. I like the size there. And also, of course, played for Sam Williams. But, uh, you know, really the star of this game could be Conan Daniels, Florida commitment from West Point. Chris Chambliss uh, had a chance to see Chris here recently. Uh, there's not many people in this state in the high school coaching profession that I respect more than Chris Chambliss. And if you've seen uh, Conan Daniels play, if you've seen his film, you understand why he is easily the top running back in the state this year. Chris Davis also headed to Stanford from Picayune Memorial. Uh, good player. My concern would, and this has got necessarily nothing to do with Chris Davis, but as great as Picayune is at running their system, there are a lot of running backs that are ultra productive in that system there aren't necessarily great college backs. I've been burned by that so many times. I'll look at a guy, and he's got all these yards, and I go watch him play, and you think, man, this kid's incredible. Well, West Point and Picayune are kind of similar in that respect, you know, even though I think West Point running backs have had a better run at it in college, slightly. But, uh, you know, they'll get, in that unbal- they'll get ahead and get in that unbalanced line and just kind of wear you out, and I think those running backs kind of benefit from that. So we're hopeful for Chris. You know, he'll have a good career. Uh, and, again, his predecessors have no bearing whatsoever on his future. It's all up to him. Uh, Garrett Orgas from Warren Central, another safety, 6'3", 192 pounds. Of course, uh, Coach Morgan, you get it done there. Daniel Hill from Meridian. Uh, Bulldog Legacy is projected as a tight end in this game. I, I like him as a running back. I officially visited Tennessee recently. Uh, Mississippi State's tried to be a factor with him. Of course, his dad played here at State. Uh, we have not been able to really get things rolling with him. Uh, Braylon Burnside, better known as Stanka, one of your wide receivers in this game. You know what to expect from him. He is legit. Gavin Griffin from Velma Jackson, a bit of a speedster, plays for former Bulldog defensive back Bernard Yule there at Velma Jackson. And, again, one of those smaller classification schools that really does a good job is producing speed especially. They, they do have some skill guys there. Uh, Mississippi State commitment, J.J. Harrell out of North Panola. North Panola having a tough year, two and four. Uh, Randall Montgomery is up there. Coach Montgomery is an outstanding coach. Known him an exceptionally long time. J.J. Harrell, a guy that's uh, very big on Mississippi State from the outset. So we certainly have some skill on the offensive side of the football. San Francisco McGee, I love his game. I know he's committed to Ole Miss. I get it. That's not going to make me think any differently about him as a player. Got some people close to him that tell me, don't be surprised if he does take a visit to Mississippi State. Could be some drama with him late. We'll see. Uh, but I really like Frisco. He is not the typical wide receiver build. He is a guy that can really elevate and kind of wall people out. Uh, really like his game. I think he's a guy that could be kind of a zone buster in many respects. Nareel White from uh, St. Martin. Going to play wide receiver in, in this game. I suspect he'll be a defensive back at Ole Miss. I like Nareel White. I have... From the beginning, some people thought Mississippi State was in a good position with him. That's not what I my take on it was. I, I know early on he had said some things that are about positive, but I was told from the very beginning if he stayed in state, uh, he was headed to Ole Miss. And, of course, he committed to Arkansas earlier than later, backed off of that in favor of a commitment to Ole Miss. So 
your managers, let's give them a little praise too. Reed Elder from Brandon High School and then Mike Morrell from Picayune Memorial. Uh, looking through your staff here, just so you guys know, Judd Boswell from, from Clinton's your head coach. Toby Collins, another great guy, offensive coordinator out of Madison Central. Bernard Yule, Velma Jackson, DB coach. John Feaster from Moss Point is your defensive line coach. Chris Jones from Starville, your wide receiver coach. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Of course, Josh Morgan, your defensive coordinator, linebackers coach. I like that pick a lot. Jeff Stockstill from Pass Christian is the O-line coach. Sam Williams, tight ends and H-back coach out of Brandon. Tony Vance from Hattiesburg. Your administrative coaches, Kenny Robinson, formerly of Mize, Justin Chaney, and Haas Ladner. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo, get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, 
We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Those are your administrators. So I uh, feel really good about that group. Let's take a quick look at the, uh, at the Bernard Blackwell rosters at your North-South game. Got a couple of representations uh, there from Mississippi State. We'll jump into that real quick here. If I can get over here and get to it. It's one of those funny things, man. You start looking through all this stuff, and you're like, oh, I've got it all figured out. Well, you don't. All right, real quickly here, just want to give a shout-out to the kids. I don't have as much commentary about these guys because I don't, you know, we're not recruiting as many of these guys. But uh, from the north half, Chase Richardson from Winona, Elijah Spratt from Amory, Trey Gunn from Biggersville, Brandon Brooks from Horn Lake, Jaquavius Pace from Kosciuszko, Damari Burton from Tupelo, Cameron Robinson from Winona. Really, really good cornerback there. I was really impressed with him. I don't know if he's big enough to play in the SEC, but the kid can play. Uh, Mantra Sanford from Charleston, TJ Spann from Clinton, Dajalen Miller from Louisville, LeBron Edmond from Murrah, Malik Bell from Oxford, Demarcus Johnson, Vicksburg, and a Mississippi State commitment, Tyler Carter. I think that he has a chance to really dominate in this game. I think a lot of people are sleeping on this kid, and I think it's a good thing for Mississippi State. When you see this guy physically on the hoof, you're going to be like, yep, that's an SEC football player. Uh, didn't know a lot about him until we saw him in camp. I saw him in camp. I'm like, yep, that makes perfect sense. Matter of fact, State took him over some other guys that had offers that were ready to commit to Mississippi State. How about that? Uh, Xavier Lowry from West Point, headed to Southern Miss. Really like him a lot. I think he's probably an offensive lineman. Freddie Lopez from Ripley. Nathaniel Walker from Amory. Ricky Banks, Madison Central. Ryan McCall, Madison Central. Jonathan Fogger from Senatobia, Caleb Bland from South Panola, Will Embry from Water Valley, Rodarius Bland, Lake Cormorant, Demorison Brown from Canton, Wade Estes from Germantown, Christopher Rodriguez from Holmes County Central, uh, John Randall Jr. from Horn Lake, Nate Kelly from Mantachi, Elton Thomas from Starkville, Bo Davis from Warren Central, Warner, Hunter Howard from Lake Cormorant, William Wilkerson, Wilkinson pardon me, from Oxford, Raheem Vance uh, from Olive Branch, Jeremiah Harrell from Tupelo, Jalen Washington, Houston, Mikkel Allen from South Panola. Jay Stevenson from Starkville. Congratulations, Jay. Uh, Jack Harper from Oxford. Quintary and Tillman Evans from West Point. Jeremy Scott from Callaway. Ole Miss commitment there. Tyler Pickens from North Pontotoc. The and Welch from Knoxby. Caleb Shumpert from New Albany. And it seems like there's a Shumpert everywhere, right? Uh, Michael Johnson, Jr. from South Panola. Love this kid a lot. Absolutely love this kid's game. I think if there is another high school kid in the state of Mississippi that's currently undeclared that Mississippi State takes, I think it's Michael Johnson. Keon Hutchins uh, from Union. Real quickly, looking over to, at the uh, South team here, because State is represented there as well. Uh, Jeremiah Foxworth here from Columbia. Let's go. Uh, Taj, Taji Burkett from Oak Grove, Jamari and Keys from West Jones, Xavier Gaten, Mississippi State commitment, Xavier Gaten. Uh, I'm not surprised to see him go to the North-South game because I don't know that people have defined his true position. I like him at safety. I also like him with the ball in his hands. I, I think it goes either way. But it's good to see him. We're going to have a representative in the North and the South in this ballgame. Uh, Prince Cottenham from Gulfport, Damon Felder from Gulfport, D. Darby from Jeff Davis County. That's the former Bassfield and Prentice. Merger, Anthony Rogers from Laurel, Chase Pinkston from Oak Grove, uh, Nikise Ratcliffe from Picayune, Gabe Miller from East Central, Angel, Angel McGee from Gautier, Jaden Acker from Pass Christian, Jabari McWilliams from Picayune Memorial, uh, Aiden Dito from Popperville. I remember some great running back, a great running back a few years ago named uh, D- uh, Dito from, uh, from Picayune. 
Jacob Bradford from St. Stan, Paris Evans from Wayne County, Isaiah Lindsay from West Jones, Luke Stewart from Oak Grove, Jeffrey Hobgood from Hancock, Trace Carter from Ocean Springs, Eric Moore from Ocean Springs, Owen Carter, Richton, Demario Harold from Towertown, uh, Jeremiah Harris from Quipman, Cade Shivers from Brandon. That name may sound familiar to you. It should. Uh, Jeremiah Kihei from Laurel, Dylan Harper from McGee, Preston Wood from Mize, Braylon McKinnon from Northwest Rankin, Tristan Fordenberry from Pascagoula, uh, Takafa Lewis from Pearl. I think that he may be a marginal SEC guy. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody takes a swing on him late. Uh, currently committed to Memphis. Landon Varnes from Brandon, Dylan Moran from Hancock, Xavier Quick from Florence. Quick is the name. Tavares Wade from Hattiesburg, Ahmad Hardy from Lawrence County, and uh, you, you, there's a lot of Hardys in Monticello, Mississippi, as you guys should know. Dylan Lewis from Northwest Rankin, Brandon Mitchell from Hattiesburg, Cam Joseph from Gulfport, Terry Patton, past Christian, Caden Berger from Petal, Damian Miller from Port Gibson. Love the kid. Love him. Committed to Southern Miss. If we're taking another high school safety, I'm taking this kid. Uh, Chartavian Bethany from Simmons and Lamarquavius Kennedy from Belma Jackson. So there you go. Those are your all-stars on the Mississippi team. And uh, I didn't plan to read the old North-South thing, but we did. And that's the thing I think about sometimes, too. It's like, hey, these are young people. You know, this is an amazing accomplishment, right? I mean, you know, and uh, it doesn't matter if they're going to our school or someone else. You know, this is for the betterment of high school football within the state of Mississippi. And this is a major accomplishment for these young men. And it should be celebrated. It should. It's the reason we write the article every year. We do, and and I remember there was a time when, um, you know, when I worked for a Scout, I, I went to every single one of these practices, and I got profile pictures, and I got uh, did my best to get an interview with every single kid. And for many of these young men, it's the only interview they did throughout the recruiting process. It's one thing, hey, we always write about the kids that are you know state and Ole Miss or squabbling over, but there's a lot of other kids out there that uh, you know may end up going to a lower level. Their accomplishment is no less than the guys that are getting big-type recruiting situations, right? As far as we look at it from a prep standpoint, I think it's very special. I think it's something we should always celebrate as a people within our state when our young people are announced and selected for these games. And uh, if at all possible, I encourage you to get out and go watch it. There's a lot of people, of course, that watch it online, and you'll be able to stream that. But uh, in the month of December, uh, you can go down to Southern Miss and you can watch the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game because for the first time in forever – uh, here in recent years, we've been able to rotate the game back and forth across the state lines. People forget, man, for years this game used to be played in the summer. And you'd have a lot of injuries because people weren't in football shape. And Anthony Dixon played in this game, uh, I think, one of the last times we played it in the summer. And then all of a sudden we said, late, let's move it to December when guys are still in football shape. And it's been better. And I think more people are playing in those games, and especially with early uh, graduation, or so many guys these days are graduating in December, give them a chance to get out there and represent their home state. And I love the game. I do. I, I take it very personally. I want us to win every single year. And when we don't win, I am very disappointed. Uh, just to be honest with you. I talk a lot of trash about the uh, in-state players from the state of Mississippi to people within this industry. So you could line us up against anybody per capita, and we got a good chance of winning that football game. Because, number one, we have young people that love the game of football, and we have a great group of coaches. And I, and I get really, really upset when I hear people talking about the, the coaches in our home state. There are a tremendous amount of coaches in this state that do over and beyond what they're expected to do. 
and everybody's measured on winning, but sometimes winning, and I'm not going to have some big winners for life speech, but I can tell you from being a former high school baseball coach myself, there's so much more to being a high school coach uh, than winning and losing ballgames. I mean, you're trying to help these young men. You're trying to help them become men themselves. And I, I can tell you from experience, the overwhelming majority of the time, the high school sports coach is the best male role model that many young men have. That's just the reality of it. There's so many people out there that are going to pull on these kids and you know, trying to get them to do things that are improper. And to be a part of a team and have a sense of accountability and to kind of learn what it means to work as a team and do things that are important and do things that really matter and to work hard and to invest in yourself, those are lessons you're not going to learn from other people. There are a lot of people, and I remember hearing a coach say this. He said, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, they're sitting around doing the same things they were doing 20 years ago. And it's not all positive. You know, and so you can go out there and hang with those guys in the street, or you can commit yourself to being better than that and want better for yourself. And so much of that in our society is shaped by the high school coach. I've shared a little of this with you before. I'm not going to get, you know, a big long story here, but I remember I, I coached for a guy named Paul Greer. He was a head baseball coach for us, and I was a hitting coach. I was a defensive coach and a hitting coach. And uh, I remember a big speech one day. I wanted to run this kid off. And he goes, you know, coach, if you want to run him off, we'll run him off. But let me tell you, ask you this, how are we going to minister in his life if he doesn't come to practice every day? Because in case you hadn't noticed, coach, there's not a lot of daddies showing up on game day. Who else is going to teach him to be a man if it's not for me and you? It changed my complete outlook on coaching and on high school sports. And, of course, you don't win enough, you don't get to stay. And that's true, right? I mean, this is not the Boy Scouts. But if you don't think there's not an element in that uh, of teaching young men to become men, to be responsible for themselves and for their families, and to show them a better way of doing things, you're selling yourself short. So. Uh, from one former high school coach to all of you that have ever coached, all of you that are currently coaching, and all of you that aspire to be coaches, thank you for what you do. Thank you. Thank you for what you do to make our communities better, to make our young men better, to give them an example. And, and it doesn't matter if it's you know, young men or young ladies. You know, there are a lot of people out there. You learn how to live life through team sports in many respects, right? You learn to depend on other people. You learn to be accountable to other people. Sports is one of the best things in life. And I don't just mean from a revenue standpoint, entertainment standpoint. There's just so much that we do to help young people acclimate to real life by playing high school sports. It's important to understand that. And so i got so many friends around this state, man, that I've known in all the years of doing this. And they'll say, hey, Steve, can you help this kid? Or you know, can you set up a profile page for him? Do you mind interviewing him? We just want to give him a little buzz. And, I, and I'm always going to say yes. I'm always going to say yes because I know what that I know what that means to that kid, but I know what it means to his coach. And so you know what, kid, you, you got a dream. I'm going to help you get there. And you know what? It's something as simple as us maybe doing a little five minute interview, putting together a profile page and putting his video out there, and putting him in a database to make him easier to find. That's the least we can do, man. That is the absolute least we can do. It absolutely is. Uh, so, yes, I'm very happy that this day has come, and uh, congratulations to all these young men, their families, their coaches, uh, their friends and teammates. Uh, this is a day of celebration in the state of Mississippi.
All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. There are a lot of people in the mortgage business, but few are as successful as Blair Chandler at getting his clients to the closing table. You can give him a call today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Or visit the website to get more information. Blair has been in the industry 22 years. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Back to back to back years. Listen, you can trust your mortgage to a lot of people. Maybe a risky proposition. Deal with somebody who's been doing it for a long time that can be your advocate with underwriting to navigate through the labyrinth that is the mortgage origination process. That's why we work with Blair. Give him a call or text today again, 601-500-2344. Whether you're looking to refinance, looking to buy a home for the first time, Blair can get you done. That's closewithblair.com. All right, I got hit up a while back. Young lady named Mary, today Steve. I've noticed that there's some uh, intriguing songs out there about pie. Yes, that's right, pie, P-I-E. Uh, Thanksgiving is about seven weeks away. Maybe you're considering your options for what you want to make, ladies and some gentlemen. Maybe you enjoy pie. On our list today, there will be no blueberry pie. There will be no shepherd's pie. But there are a lot of other pies. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I prefer pecan pie, to be quite honest with you. If I had to pick, I think pecan pie is my favorite. There, is no, there aren't a lot of great songs about pecan pie, though, so it didn't make our list. We also have some new bands making their uh, top ten debut on our list today. As we get into pie. P-I-E. <clears throat> Number ten. Probably my least favorite of the pies. To be quite honest with you, it's just from a band called the California Honey Drops. I was unfamiliar with them, to be quite honest with you, but in our search to find the best songs about pie, I stumbled across their little ditty about pumpkin pie. It's kind of the Americana side of things. This is a very diverse list, so be sure and check that one out. Whether you like pecan pie or not, I think you're going to dig the song. Again, that's the California Honey Drops. Probably never heard of those guys before. It's pretty cool, though. Number nine, we can't do a list without including Motley Crue. Probably my favorite song on the Dr. Feel Good album is I played it through the first few times way back in high school because I'm from the 1900s. So I was around the day that Dr. Feel Good came out. We had pre-bought the album, checked out of school early, went and picked up our copies and rode around the rest of the evening and listened to it. But the song that jumped out to me that wasn't Dr. Feelgood, because Dr. Feelgood was the advanced single, was a great track, the second song on the first side of the cassette. It's Slice of Your Pie. That's right. So order me up a slice of your pie. There you go. Number nine. Number eight. This song has been on our list before. I, I go back to last year when Roy challenged me, Roy Samanti. My friend, who was uh, late getting up our Asking Alexandria list, and he voluntarily wrote himself up, you know, I don't know what we're going to do with that guy. 
Uh, but he challenged me last year, hey, can you put a top 10 list together about Thanksgiving, like Thanksgiving dishes? Well, of course I can. Of course I can. And this song made our list. Great track from kind of a one-hit wonder of the early 90s. A song called Apple Pie from the band White Trash. And I'd also like to point out, too, when I uh, informed the beautiful bride that today was Pie Day on the top 10 list, she commended me on being able to find 10 songs about pie that were all different flavors of pie. Number seven, I don't know that you could eat this, not with a, a knife and fork, but we're going back to AMG. You didn't think you'd hear that today. You didn't think, hey, there's going to be the California Honey Drops, Molly Crew, White Trash, and then AMG. That's right. Word to DJ Quick. AMG's Jiggable Pie, which is probably one of the better tracks on the album. Those of you that know AMG know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a classic album. A lot of people uh, think Rihanna came up with the phrase that uh, B better have my money. Nope. It's AMG. So Jiggable Pie, great track, great track. Love it, very danceable. Number six, only on the boneyard can you follow up AMG with Johnny Cash. That's right, that's right. We do what we want, when we want, how we want to do it. It's pie in the sky from Johnny Cash. Because when I die, there will be pie in the sky. Whatever flavor you'd like. Number five, one of, my, one of my best friends, the biggest Beatles fan that I know. We could have gone a couple different directions here, but I decided to go with Wild Honey Pie from the Beatles because it may be the weirdest song in the catalog. There's just so much like psychedelic. I mean, somebody was high when they wrote this. It's very different. It's very eclectic. It's very Beatles-ish. You know, but it's not like the doo-wop Beatles. It's when uh, they begin to expand their minds with LSD, and I, su I submit to you whoever put this track together was probably on a couple of hits, but Wild Honey Pie from the Beatles, number five. Number four, we're going to go adult contemporary here. One of the great singer-songwriters in American history, James Taylor's Sweet Potato Pie. I don't even like Sweet Potato Pie. I like the song, though. I do. James Taylor is outstanding, absolutely outstanding. The way he uses that low register, man, it just feels like putting on a, you know, putting on a cool jacket, you know. So Sweet Potato Pie, number four from James Taylor. Number three, probably the song that got the wife the most excited. It's from the Houses of the Holy Album from Led Zeppelin. You can never go wrong when Led Zeppelin's on your list. And this is a song that many of you don't know because you only know the hits. I encourage you to get deeper in the catalog this is an absolute banger, man. And, of course, it's about a nice-looking woman, but it's Custard Pie from Led Zeppelin, number three. Absolutely love that track, man. We, we could do a top ten of just deep tracks. Like, you know, it's like B-sides of Led Zeppelin. And then it'd get at the end of the day think, you know what, it's been a great day. Number two, we couldn't have a list about pie without mentioning our friend Jenny Lane and Warrant. It's really the song that, uh, as I've shared with you guys before, he told me that uh, he hated being the cherry pie guy. And as I told him, there are worse things to be known for. It was interestingly enough is, uh, as I, I didn't plan to share this, but um, so years ago I met Bobby Brown in the Cherry Pie Girl. And uh, she's so much more than that. But uh, I met her before she was famous. 
is I joked with her recently. I'd sent her something some time ago. I'd written a thing about Janie Lane and uh, started to include some of this in a new book, but uh, but I didn't. I messaged her, I don't know, some months ago. She messaged me back yesterday. How cool is that? That's pretty nice. So cherry pie from Warrant, number two. But number one, you can't eat it, but you can enjoy it. One of the greatest songs in American history, it's American Pie from Don McLean. And uh, some incredible songwriting. There's just so many, like, it's like a tapestry of American music history. And so if, you, if you're unfamiliar with that, let me encourage you. Maybe one day when you're looking for something to read or you're in the tub or whatever, or waiting on an airplane, look up American Pie, like the story behind American Pie, and you can read about all the things that are kind of written cryptically that make that song such a gem. It's American Pie from Don McLean. Number one on your list. So, so I hope you enjoyed a piece of pie today. Uh, it's uh, it's fun doing these kind of things too because they kind of come off the radar. And I remember I was thinking today, what am I going to do? And I remember somebody hit me up. I want to say her name was Mary, I think. So here we are, pie. You never know what you're going to get. You don't know. Sometimes you think you do. We didn't do piece of pie from Stone Temple Pilots, so maybe we throw them an honorable mention. That's a, that's a good track too. Um, Reminds me of my friend Scott Sorensen. Scotty didn't have a CD player, and when me and uh, Jim Winter would go reward ourselves once a month by buying a CD, Scotty one time went along with us and bought a CD, and that's what he bought, the uh, debut Stone Temple Pilots album. So there you go. You just never know. <laughs> you never know. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let us know. You never know. We may just use them no matter how off the wall they may be. best way to do that is hit up Roy. On Twitter, at Dogmatic67, it's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Give Roy a follow. He won't be posting pictures of his food or his pie or anything like that. You can rest assured that it's always going to be like Mississippi State related and our great list and things of that nature. And Roy also uh, goes to all the trouble of putting these on Spotify for you. So if, if you are a Spotify user, you can find him under Dogmatic67. Maybe subscribe to that and have our great list just kind of auto-populate to your phone. So we're out traveling, you're looking for something new to listen to, we'll supply that for you, free of charge. I mean, you're already paying for the subscription. We're just giving you a better list. Yeah, there you go. But uh, I so appreciate your uh, your contributions. And so many people say, Steve, I, I love the top 10 list. I got a lot of people that say, I'm not a music guy. Fast forward through it. That's okay. My feelings aren't hurt. Uh, but we love being able to talk about music on the show. Uh, I, it's a segment of the show that we started back during covid and now here we are, you know, over three years later, still doing it. And uh, it's just amazing to me the things that you guys come up with. And so, again, thanks so much for your support uh, to the top ten list. And, again, if you've got ideas, reach out let us know. If you message me, I can't promise you I'm going to see it. More times than not, I do. But other times, I don't. Uh, so, Roy is always a safe bet. Roy's not nearly as popular as me. Ha, 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 Roy. Uh, but what's interesting about that is we were somewhere, I think we were in um, – Roy will have to remind me. I think maybe we were in Fort Worth for baseball. And uh, some lady walked up to Roy and figured out who he was and says, hey, can I get your picture made with you? You're famous. Just because he does the top ten list. So Roy is famous now. Congratulations, Roy. You're welcome. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. I have loved them for a long time. 
Whenever I need Mississippi State merchandise, it's the first place I look. I don't go to Amazon. I don't go to eBay. I don't go Google. I go to Campus Bookmark. That's what I do. I want to support a Starkville business because I know, listen, number one, they're going to get the right shade of maroon, right? Nothing stinks worse than you go order your great new Mississippi State merchandise from some third-party company and it ends up coming from overseas or something and it's like uh, crimson, you know or a hazy shade of red or something, you know, we're maroon. And so I think stick with the experts here and they won't lead you wrong. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces or peruse their fine selections in person, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than $75, absolutely Incomplete. All right, let's take a little time now and kind of look ahead a little bit to the the weekend matchups. No, there's a lot of in-conference competition this weekend. It's going to be a separation Saturday in many respects. All right, LSU and Missouri, and uh, interesting game here, especially like when you look at what's happened to LSU back-to-back weeks defensively. You think, man, what's happened? And again, give Dan Enos and the guys at Arkansas a lot of credit for kind of cracking the code and give Lane Kiffin and his staff, you know, credit for kind of saying, hey, we're going to exploit this thing too. And they did. Huge win for Ole Miss over the weekend. But uh, LSU kind of in a precarious position here. Many people, including myself, picked them second in the West, and many others picked them to win the West. Some even had them win in the SEC. And now they're on the road to face an undefeated Missouri team that's playing with a lot of confidence. Kind of a veteran team up there, especially on offense. Got some good skill position players. You know, Cook is a great quarterback. Kind of flies under the radar. Nobody ever talks about him. The kid's just getting it done. LSU is favored by five and a half at Missouri. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if there's any fluctuation in the line uh, later in the week as some maybe there's some injury reports kind of come in. Uh, to play here. We'll preview this game later in the week. But uh, I think most people would feel like at the beginning of the year, LSU would be a consensus favorite here, maybe double digits. And I hear you are less than a touchdown. That could be a very intriguing matchup. Uh, Western Michigan, of course, at Mississippi State. It's kind of across the board now. It's 20 and a half. Uh, So, you know, State favored now by three touchdowns in this ballgame. I expect this to cover. I know right now many of you are saying, Steve, I just want to win the game. And, and I get it. I think Mississippi State needs to win with some style here. I think we need to have some momentum heading into the open date. Like if we go win this game 20 to 17, calm down down there. Goodness gracious. Even my own dogs are upset about the football season. Uh, but, yeah, if we go out here and win this game, we struggle through this game and we're sluggish. It's not going to inspire any confidence among the fan base. we got to find a way. This is the Western Michigan team that was picked sixth in the MAC West. That's dead last, in case you didn't know. The only team to get less points in the balloting was Kent State. I mentioned that in an article earlier today. It's just an interesting deal. You look at this thing. State needs to win this game with some flair, and it doesn't need to be close. We've got to find a way, to, not only to cover, but – it's not even about covering. It's just about kind of getting our legs back under us, getting to the open date, and get healthy as we get ready to prepare to travel to Arkansas and Auburn. You know it as well as I do. You're not going to be happy with just winning the game, nor should you be. 
this is a game we should win handily, and we need to. We need to go out there and uh, and really kind of get things rolling for ourselves. All right, Alabama and A&M. This is a game that is really, really tough for Alabama. Last time they went to College Station, they lost. Max Johnson, of course, a guy that's got some SEC snaps under his belt. This Alabama offense is very pedestrian. I mean, you saw it last week, right? I mean, even though you look and say, oh, Steve, they won the game 40-17. What, what are we doing? What are we doing? But 40-17, but it wasn't like some electric Alabama offensive performance by any stretch of the imagination. It's been a while since I've had uh, a duet on the show, so I apologize for that. But uh, this, this is a tough game for Alabama. They're only favored by a point and a half. Some books have it at two. And I suspect the A&M has the athletes on defense to match up outside with Alabama. This is not an ultra-talented Alabama offense. The defense is legit. This could be a ball game that's like 17-13. I mean, it, it literally could be. But A&M has played very well offensively since the Miami game, even without Connor Wegman. I thought Max Johnson looked really good last week. Uh, so that's, that's one that I would probably stay away from. But it's also interesting to note, you know, that the respect that people are giving A&M and that Alabama looks so vulnerable right now, I won't be the least bit surprised if A&M wins that game. If they do, you kind of look now at A&M, maybe the front runner to win the West. Did you expect that? And you can't count out Ole Miss either. All right, Vanderbilt and Florida. I don't know what to expect from Florida. I mean, last year Vanderbilt beat Florida. It's an 18-and-a-half-point spread now in favor of the Gators, but you begin to look at this thing and it's like, can you have any, any confidence to bet on Florida? I don't know what you can. I don't know what their record is against the spread this week, this year. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I suspect they, did, they didn't cover against Charlotte, as we know. They covered against Tennessee. Certainly didn't cover against Kentucky. I would stay away from it. I know Vanderbilt's bad. I don't think Vanderbilt wins another game the rest of the year. But um, anyway, that spread's rather interesting. Rather interesting. Kentucky and Georgia. I don't, I don't know that I've got a lot of confidence in Georgia to cover these days. 14-and-a-half favorite in, in favor of Georgia over Kentucky. Kentucky offensively uh, really good last week. But you begin to ask yourself, was that a product of Kentucky being good or Florida being bad or a combination of both? Either way, I think we find out more about Kentucky this week. There's so many people in the SEC that every year they want to anoint Kentucky's the second best team in the East, and then and they never are. But this is a chance for them to prove it. I just don't know if this is going to work out the way people expect. Maybe I'm wrong. Arkansas and Ole Miss, this is a crazy one here. Like This is really not a great matchup for Ole Miss. You got a running team like Arkansas that uh, last year absolutely ran all over Ole Miss. Now, this game is at Vault Hemingway Stadium. You know, it's going to be big for KJ Jefferson, his last chance to play Ole Miss, and uh, got the better of him last year. That Arkansas offensive line has kind of been up and down a little bit. Ole Miss is riding high, and you almost think that's a negative for them. You know, the big win last week, and then I saw earlier today, they were fined $75,000 for throw, throwing things on the field. And listen to you Ole Miss folks that listen to the show, and I know many of you do, stop doing that. I mean, really, somebody is going to get hurt. And then speaking of getting hurt, I saw a video 
uh, where the stands nearly collapsed underneath and people were like panicked and screeching and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, youthful exuberance sometimes leads the way to property damage. Uh, and then they so were fined $100,000 for rushing the field and $75,000 um, for throwing trash on the field. And uh, the SEC changed the rule this past year that uh, if, if you rush the field when the opposing team is on the field, that check goes to them, not to the SEC scholarship fund. So Ole Miss wrote a check to LSU. I'm sure they don't mind. If we'd beaten LSU, I wouldn't mind writing them a check for hundred grand. But nevertheless, this is an interesting game. Um, Ole Miss is playing well right now. Arkansas is not. I mean, Arkansas is, is – you begin to think about this team. They're already second-guessing themselves. They lose this ball game here. They could go in the tank. They absolutely could. All right, a little bit deeper down the list here. I'm trying to remember who all we have left. That may be it in the SEC. Now that I think about it. Let's, uh, let's take a quick look here, just to be sure. We don't want to leave anybody out or anybody's feelings to be hurt. But, yeah, LSU, Missouri, Western Michigan, and State. Yeah, well, that's it. That's our schedule. So the only non-conference game in the league this week is Western Michigan and Mississippi State, which is, it makes sense for us to be the 11 o'clock game. But um, it's interesting, too, Florida. You know, Florida now the 3 o'clock game. So basically what the network does is they put the game that they think is going to draw the lowest rating on the back side of the CBS game. Like the CBS game, and of course we're fixing to be out of that deal, is Alabama A&M. So Vanderbilt and Florida will air at the same time. And let's be honest, the only people interested in watching that game are Florida and Vanderbilt fans, and I think most Florida fans probably aren't excited about it. So it's not going to be a big game. Arkansas and Ole Miss is a better game. Kentucky at Georgia, a better game. That's why they're in primetime. So you can see some, you know, there's some methodology here. I mean, and who knew that LSU-Missouri would be a ballot top 25 team? So ESPN makes their pick and puts that game in the morning. You know, LSU folks hate playing in the morning. Uh, when we got ready to play those guys, I went over how LSU has not played well the last couple of years at 11 a.m. Uh, they played pretty well against us. We'll see what they do against Missouri. It's so incredibly interesting uh, to look at all that stuff, you know, we have these uh, feelings about things at the beginning of the year, not just our own teams, but the league as a whole. And you look around and you're like, you know what? This uh, is not what I expected. All right, looking at uh, some weekly stat leaders, uh, Jaden Daniels leads the Southeastern Conference with 1,710 yards passing. Kind of a sizable lead over uh, Carson Beck from Georgia and then Jackson Dart from Ole Miss, who's having a good year. I said when they signed him, the kid was a better athlete than uh, I think most of us thought. And then he played. And as I've mentioned so, so many times before, his ball handling skills are next level. I mean, when you watch the way he carries out his fakes, and, and so many people talk about, hey, the running game, the running game. When you don't have a quarterback that can fully execute his position, the running game is impeded. And when you've got Jackson Dart out there that is so incredibly gifted when it comes to – faking the handoff, tucking it around. I mean, he really handles the, the football. I don't know if there's anybody in the conference doing a better job of that than Jackson Dart. That's tough for me to say. I mean, I, don't, I hate to give Ole Miss credit for anything, but how can you knock the kid, man? Brady Cook mentioned him earlier. He is fourth just behind Dart with 1,468 yards, and there's Spencer Rattler uh, at 14-11. I suspect you're going to see Rattler kind of come back uh, – you know, come back to reality in many respects. As I've shared many times, that you know they're going to go as far as he can carry them. Uh, six is A.J. Swine, Graham Mertz from uh, Florida, seven. Joe Milton at eight. He's not Hendon Hooker, 
Number nine, Devin Leary. And then 10, Will Rogers. You probably thought Will was farther down the list than that, and you'd be wrong. K.J. Jefferson is behind Will Rogers in passing. And, of course, he had the big game against LSU. Not a lot of a big game since then. Of course, Connor Wegman's out for the year. It makes sense he would stay behind. Jaywin Milrow is 13th at 838. Of course, 8 of 10 last week against Mississippi State. Uh, the most, the least efficient quarterback in the conference right now is at Auburn, Peyton Thorne. 643 yards. Completion percentage of 62.77%. But the lowest depth of target in the conference is 684 also got four interceptions uh, to go along with it. He's been sacked 13 times. Uh, Spencer Rattler's been sacked the most 22 times. KJ, 18. Will Rogers, 14. It's a far cry from what it was last year, you know. When we were throwing it all the time. You know, last year our sack numbers by percentage were among the best in the country. So not only are we not, um, you know, scoring with the same proficiency, we're not protecting a quarterback. Not even close. And that's one of the big disappointments in every bit of this is because we have such a veteran offensive line. You, uh, your Jaquavius Marks now is fourth in the SEC in rushing. You know, he was number one for the first three weeks of the season. Now Ray Davis from Kentucky on the strength of that big game against Florida last week now leads the conference with 594 yards, also has eight rushing touchdowns. Cody Schrader, who has kind of gone one and two uh, much of the season from Missouri, 463. Well, what else you do against him? Jalen Wright from uh, Tennessee has emerged as the back of choice there, though he and Jabari Small both split some carries. But Wright is now third, of course, Woody four. Quinchon Judkins is fifth. Uh, 378 yards, and again, he's been hurt. There were some people, of course, that uh, penciled him in as potentially the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. The year, now that we're approaching the midway point, has not gone the way that he expected, though we did have some big runs against LSU. Perhaps he's getting healthy, which could make Ole Miss even more dangerous down the stretch. Trevor Etienne from Florida is six, 358-yard. Logan Diggs, a guy that's just kind of emerged here in recent weeks, uh, now seventh in the league. Alabama's Jace McClellan is eighth. Jaden Daniels, uh, the most prolific quarterback rusher in the conference, is tenth. Uh, so there you go, you know, looking at the, the rushing numbers. Receiving numbers, you know, this is not going to be a, a stat that shines well on Mississippi State. Tula Griffin, number nine in the conference with 409 yards receiving. Uh, the leading receiver is Luther Burden III. Yeah, sounds like he should be in an accounting or something, right? 644 yards. Just behind him is Malik Neighbors at 625. Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, a guy we know well, 606. And then Brian Thomas, 537 yards. Ole Miss's Jordan Watkins is fifth. Will Shepard, who led the league for a while because of the fact that, number one, he's really good, but number two, uh, they were a game ahead of everybody, 443. Uh, Ricky Persaw, the best receiver at Florida, 419. Brock Bowers, the tight end, probably the consensus favorite to win the John Mackey Award again is Brock Bowers. And Dayton Wade from Ole Miss rounds out the top 10. It's also interesting to me. To, you go look, and there's always new names that pop up. We mentioned Ray Davis earlier. Ray actually leads the Southeastern Conference in scoring with 66 points. Uh, even more than Randy Bond, the kicker from Texas A&M. Because most of your leading scorers are kickers. As a matter of fact, when you look at the top uh, you know, six, seven, eight names, uh, they're all kickers. Rand, uh, Ray Davis from Kentucky first. Brian Thomas from LSU is third. And then it's mostly kickers. Kyle Ferry from Mississippi State, the leading scorer for the Bulldogs. With 38 points. 
He has the same number of points as Quinshot Judkins does from uh, from Ole Miss. Uh, Will Ferry, obviously, Kyle Ferry, excuse me. We foundeth a goodeth thing when we found Kyle Ferry over in the state of Arkansas. This happened to help us. In fact, that uh, uh, stepdad, big bulldog from Kosciuszko, Mississippi. That always helps. Always helps. Uh, Will Reichard from Alabama leads the, the conference in field goal percentage at 100%. Randy Bott at 73. Uh, Kyle Ferry, 87.5. He's 7 of 8 on the year. 7 of 8. And uh, the one he missed was 49 yards. But I don't think anybody anywhere is going to say, you know what, Kyle, this is what I expected of you, maybe outside of some people that knew him. Guy's doing a great job. Uh, the worst field goal kicker in the country, uh, in the conference, excuse me, and that's, it's not even that bad. It's not like we're missing a bunch of field goals this year. It's Mitch Jeter, who's 4 or 5 at 80%. It's just because they hadn't kicked many field goals. Uh, but when you start working through this, you know, the guy that has missed the most field goals in this conference, there's actually two uh, with um, three misses. That, that chart was incorrect. Pardon me. Peyton Woodridge is 6 of 9, and then Harrison Mevis of Missouri is 7 of 10. So we got two guys that have missed three, and then Randy Bond has missed four, but he's also attempted the most uh, in the conference. But, of course, there's uh, you know right there in the middle of all that field goal percentage, uh, Kyle Ferry actually tied for second in the Southeastern Conference. So uh, congratulations to Kyle and his family. Punning, and this is something we ought to have a lot of practice with, right? Uh we're going to look here at um, you know total number of punts. Uh, of course, that's going to be South Carolina and then Vanderbilt. Then it's Auburn and Alabama. Did you expect that? Did you expect Alabama to be tied for second and most total number of punts? Keelan Cremings from Mississippi State has 16 punts, and, we, and he had to kick them all, but he's tied for fourth. Average, Mississippi State is 11th. At 42.63%. Now, of course, some of that's skewed because some of that's directional kicking. You're trying to get inside the 20. I haven't had any complaints with the punting since the first week. But uh, Matthew Hayball, what a name, leading the Southeastern Conference with 50.9 yards per punt. Nearly 51 yards a punt. You talk about flipping the field. You would think defensively that that would be a big benefit to you, but it really hadn't been so far. Uh, for uh, for Vanderbilt. And, again, I think they're done winning football games. That's just me. Uh, looking at return numbers here. Jaden McGowan uh, leads in kick return yards, 209 from Vanderbilt, and 10 kick returns. You know, there's, this is a, a lost statistic in many respects just because of the fact that so many people now are able to kick in the end zone. I remember when they, you know, they started changing things up. Uh, trying to avoid violence in the game of football, there was so much of that. They decided, you know what, we're going to make it easier to do kick to do touchbacks, and uh, they have for the most part. All right, defensive numbers here. Jeff Johnson leads the Southeastern Conference by a sizable number in total number of tackles. Uh, Jet with 59 tackles through five games. Uh, second, tied for second, is Buki Watson with 48, and then Jaheim Thomas from Arkansas also at 48. Uh, you got to get a little bit farther down the list to find, uh, you know, some other names that you may know. But, uh, again, I think some of it lends itself to the season itself. But also, too, I think Jed Johnson entered the year with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Last year, he struggled in pass rush. He has four sacks this year, already with four. Now, some of that is uh, 
you know, Jet just being Jet, but also, too, I think some of it, too, is the situations we're putting him in. Uh, Jet's third in the SEC, actually tied for third with uh, Tyler Barron from Tennessee. Dallas Turner leads the Southeastern Conference from Alabama with six sacks. James Pierce, Jr. from Tennessee with five. So Tennessee front did a really good job getting to the quarterback. So just thought we'd share that. And uh, interceptions, you know we're not going to be anywhere on this list, at least not defensive backs. We, we, don't, we don't have uh, much going on in the way of pass coverage, right? Interestingly enough, Judd Johnson's tied for third in the Southeastern Conference with two interceptions. Jaywin Simpson leads all pass defenders uh, out of Auburn with four picks. And then Taki Smith from Georgia uh, is tied with Chris Abrams, Drain, a former Mississippi State uh, recruit that had three picks. I feel like he's been there forever. But uh, then there's Jet. And then after that, you know, it's, it's a host of people with one. So there's not a lot of people just kind of laying claim to this thing, but Jalen Simpson may be on his way to an All-American type year at Auburn. Some big numbers. Again, we're just halfway through the season. But uh, it's all very interesting to look at. You know, now that we're here, it, you, people say you, you kind of are who you are at the halfway point. I don't know that I believe that. Uh, I think there is some the possibility of getting better. I think there is a possibility of things, you know, things kind of starting to click for people. But, uh, again, Jet Johnson, a guy that was completely snubbed by the SEC media, uh, having among the best seasons in the Southeastern Conference among all defensive players. I'll go back and just say I told you so. You know, it, it wasn't a product of uh, Jet just, you know, having a good year last year. He led the Southeastern Conference, and he's doing it now – even in a more impressive fashion than he did last year. And one thing that I'll say, too, about Jet, I mean, how many times – if I told you, hey, if we're going to go sign a linebacker out of Tupelo, Mississippi, and we're going to beat all Miss for him, and he's going to lead the Southeastern Conference in tackles in back-to-back years, you'd say, you know what, hey, let's go get him. That guy's probably going pro. That guy's probably going to be an All-American. And then we still have people that just completely discount Judd Johnson. Complete, even our own fan, our own fan base. Well, it's just so limited. You know what? Hey, we're all limited in some respects. All I know is this: is despite his limitations, according to some of you, Jet Johnson's having an All-American caliber season. Period. You can say what you want. You can think what you want. The numbers speak for themselves. You can say, well, you know, he's a product of the system. So is everybody else. Everybody is a product of the fit and the system in which they play in. Jet's just doing a better job of it than everybody else. And it's time that everybody gives that kid some respect. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at International Auction LLC. Visit them at internationalauctionllc.com or give them a call at 888-861-0999. Now, here's the cool thing. Many of you have thought, you know what, I'd always love to own some land in Starville, but it's so pricey. Like, it may be out of my price range. Guys, this is going to be such a great deal for you. You know, you got multiple parcels to bid on here. You got the Highway 82 par- 182 parcel, the Sandy Creek parcel, uh, and then there's the Central parcel, which is the 18 acres kind of there, centrally located. Makes sense? Guys, the reserve on this, you want to take a stab? You want to take a guess at what they're giving this property away for? How about 4000 an acre? Guys, that's five minutes away from Davis Wade Stadium and Duty Noble Field at 4,000 an acre. Got new information on that today. Wanted to share that with you because you may be thinking, oh, you know, Steve, yeah, that all sounds great, but it's probably out of my price range. You know what? It's probably not. It's probably not. 
hit 4,000, right? Super cool. Uh, again, just five minutes away from uh, Mississippi State, butted up against the North Campus. So you, you're not got to worry about a bad neighbor. Who wouldn't want to be neighbors with the fine folks at Mississippi State? Put it in your GPS at 2 Sterling Drive, Starkville, Mississippi. That's S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G, Drive, right? And uh, you've got, you know, you've got that property right up against 182. There's five lakes on this property. There's no zoning. It's in the opportunity zone. And so whether you're looking to, uh, to buy it as an investment property or perhaps move your family to Starkville, what could be better than that? Outstanding. Now, you can go see the property this weekend, and this is the last weekend showing this Sunday from 10 a.m. to 2, right? And then next Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 2, that's easy to find, right? Or you can do it by appointment. Just give them a call at 888-861-0999 and get more information about it. And now, there will be a better deposit, $25,000 for the entirety of the property or $10,000 per track. Of course, if you don't win, you get your money back. We just want to make sure you're being honest here. Like You're a serious bidder. It's kind of like putting some earnest money up. I have toured this property. It is absolutely spectacular. If I was bidding, I would look at this Cypress Lake property, man. I'd build me a big old log cabin out there, just some you know, some haven in the sticks, and I, you would never see me. I would be as reclusive as you could ever imagine. I might not even go to Walmart, you know. Uh, listen, I think this is a great opportunity. Again, whether you're looking to you know, make this an investment property or make it your home, uh, so many great options there. And again, for more information, internationalauctionllc.com. It's just, I, I can't begin to tell you how beautiful this property is. You need to see it for yourself. And again, you can do so this Sunday from 10 a.m. to 2. You're coming up for the ball game anyway. You're going to spend the weekend in Starkville because you love Starkville. And you've always dreamed of maybe making Starkville your home. Well, now here's a great chance to do it uh, very affordably. Yeah, very affordably. Just 4000 bucks an acre. It's ridiculous. And, again, I got that information today. Couldn't wait to share it with you guys just because of the fact. I think a lot of people are going to listen to this and say, ah, oh, you know, that all sounds great, but it's just going to be more than I could ever afford. Uh, no, no, it's not the case. N- not the case uh, at all for most people. Uh, be sure and check them out. All right, some changes to the depth chart. You know, a lot of times we do baseball here at the end. Uh, we're going to do some uh, football stuff here as we get out of the gate here. A couple changes. Let's run through the depth chart real quick for this week. And, again, the depth chart's kind of written for entertainment purposes only, right? A lot of things change. But based on last weekend's performances, you've seen some guys play their way into a starting role. We'll start offensively here. Dollar Bill Johnson at left tackle, uh, backed up by Percy Lewis. Then Nick Jones at left guard. Albert Reese, his reserve. Cole Smith is your center with Cannon Boone running second team. Steven Lasoy is still at right guard, followed by Grant Jackson and Jackson LaHue. Uh, right tackles Cameron Jones and then Leon Bell. But we have seen Percy Lewis flip over at times and play some at right tackle. Quarterback, of course, is Mike Wright. Excuse me, Will Riders and Mike Wright. Now, running back, Jaquavius Marks, Jeffrey Pittman, Seth Davis. Uh, I suspect that we're going to see more from Pittman and Davis this weekend. Uh, you know, Woody got a little bit banged up last week, and he wants to play, obviously, you know, right? But I won't be surprised if the lion's share of the carries go to guys down the depth chart just to kind of keep Woody safe, get him into that open date, get him healthy, and let's get ready for the second half of the season. Uh, Ex-wide receiver Justin Robinson or Freddie Roberson. Now, Freddie played last week a lot. Justin is practicing this week. They're being careful with him. There's a possibility Justin plays this week. 
uh, Tulu Griffin, and then Creed Whittemore or Antonio Harmon. Of course, Antonio, they move him around a great deal, kind of dependent on formation. You know, we go 11 or 12 personnel. Antonio, more times than not, it's going to be uh, be your flex tight end or be an H-back or something of that nature. Uh, but you, you, you know there's going to be times when Tulu and, and Antonio are going to be on the field at the same time. I do think we see a lot more from Creed this week. A lot of people ask about that. Steve, why hadn't he played? Well, he has played. He has played. Maybe he didn't play as many snaps as he did against Southeastern. And, again, he's playing against an FCS team. So, even coming from the high school program he came in, uh, Creed's an SEC athlete. So, of course, he's going to have uh, you know, a really good day against those guys. But I do expect to see more of him this week. And then fans will say, where has he been? Well, he's played. He just hadn't, uh, hadn't had the separation. And we hadn't had the ability to protect. Uh, you, you forget last week that, that pass, the last pass it was intended that was intercepted. Uh, from Will Rogers, was uh, headed to Creed Whittemore. Uh, at the Z position, Xavion Thomas hangs on to the starting spot. Jaden Wally, which is the curious case of Jaden Wally, what's happened to him, right? Really expected him to have a big year this year, and he's, he's missed some time. Uh, then Jordan Mosley, and Jordan's a guy, too, that's been able to get open, but at times not been able to complete the play. Uh, tight end Ryland Gody listed as your starter or Malik Gallus. I think a lot of it depends on what we want to run early on. Uh, we spoke yesterday with uh, Coach Mike Schmidt, and he said extensively that, you know, Ryan Ryland has done everything we've asked him to do. He was banged up. He had a foot injury, kind of limited him some. But um, they seem to be pleased. I, I think there are a lot of times that they, it leaves a lot to be desired, to be quite honest. Uh, you know what your kicking and specials look like. No change there. But defensively, a couple things here. Deontay Anderson, shown some real flashes. Guys, he is listed as your first team defensive end now, ahead of Jordan Davis. And Jordan Davis, I'm not sure Jordan or JD is ever going to be the same. Man, I love this kid. Uh, he was a guy that attended the Tupelo football combine when he was uh, you know, going to school there in Memphis, uh, native of Bahia, Mississippi. And uh, hate that he hadn't had the career that we expected him to have. And uh, just, you know, coming back from that ACL injury, he just does not have to get off he once did. And you certainly hate it for him. But Deontay Anderson, a former All-American high school player, beginning to kind of find his way into it. And, of course, last week we only played with seven scholarship defensive linemen. Uh, so Anderson, again, showing some flashes and appears to have earned the designation as the first-team defensive end. Nathan Pickering having a, his best year as a Bulldog. I think we can all say it for what it is. You know, this is the guy we expected him to be. I would like to see him take over a ball game. Eric Taylor played the, the most snaps that he's played as a Bulldog uh, last weekend. And so hopefully the light is about to come on for him. A lot of times for junior college players, even guys that are bounce backs from the SEC or Power 5 level, it takes him a little while to get acclimated. Defensive tackle Jaden Crumity uh, with DeMonte Russell sliding back inside to play there. That's kind of interesting. I think it just kind of depends on the formation we want to run there. But I think DeMonte is a guy that, you know, didn't play last week, expected to play this week, uh, has another year of eligibility should he need it. And I don't know that he's having a year right now that would uh, make him any money in the professional ranks, but uh, he still has that level of potential. Sam Linebacker. You know, we, we've run Deshaun Page out there. We've had J.P. Purvis out there. We've had John Lewis out there. Uh, your projected starter this week, Don Terry Russell, that had an excellent ball game last week. And, again, doing some things that don't appear to match his skill set or even his size. And uh, big sack to open the ball game last week uh, for him. So, Don Terry now has played his way into some opportunities. He has worked some at Sam in practice and is now projected to be your starting Sam linebacker this weekend. 
Uh, Mike Linebacker, no surprise here. Uh, Boogie Watson, as always, with J.P. Purvis as his reserve. And then uh, Jet Johnson and then Deshaun Page back over at Will. I think Deshaun Page fits better there. I just think for some reason playing Sam has not worked out for him. Just doesn't seem to match what he wants to do. Decameron Richardson, uh, your starting corner on one side, and then Bryce Pollock, his reserve. Bryce uh, got some snaps last week against Alabama. Sean Preston, starting safety. Isaac Smith, his reserve. You're starting to see Isaac Smith get a lot of playing time. A lot. Corey Ellington, also now. Uh, penciled in as a starter with Chris Keyes as the second guy and then Jordan Morant as the third. Remember Morant was a four-star to transfer it in here from Michigan. A lot of people had high expectations for them. He has not realized his potential to date. Marcus Banks at safety with Hunter Washington, his reserve, and then DeCarlos Nicholson and Asias Furge uh, on the other side there. So uh, just thought you might find that of interest. But, of course, it's important to understand that, you know, depth charts are kind of written in sand. As the game goes on and guys get banged up and you've got situational things you've got to consider – uh, they're going to put the best level on the field as best they can. Uh, we've got to have some better play in the secondary. Now, I understand that the quality of competition we play this week is not going to be on par with what we have the last three weeks. If you go look at the passing numbers for, uh, uh, for Western Michigan, I mean, starting quarterbacks right at 55%. You know, so there's a chance, obviously, that they're going to make some mistakes. But it's not about depending on the hurdles to be lowered. We have got to begin to make some plays in the secondary. And we have not done that. And you look the last three weeks, I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like this, where teams' pass efficiency against our defense has been what it is. And then I asked Matt Brock about it, and he said, that's a good question. He goes, you know, it kind of depends on every level of defense. And there is truth in that. But at the end of the day, if it's your responsibility to play in the secondary and cover pass receivers, you got to cover them better. And I don't know if it's a situation where we're just getting out-talented, if we're getting out-schemed, we're getting out-hustled. I don't know. But I know this, we're getting outperformed week after week after week. This secondary has got to be better. And we knew the safeties were going to be an issue, which is one of the reasons we spent so many scholarship slots in the portal to get safeties and corners. As I mentioned earlier this week, we just hadn't gotten any production from them. Chris Keyes, the most productive of the portal defensive backs, with six of the seven tackles. And the one that was not attributed to him was Jamarius Brown, a kid that just got here from Purdue. So we've got some guys out there that, you know, we're built to have had some talent. And there's so much of that we get so caught up a lot of times in recruiting rankings. And then once you get into, high, get into college, it doesn't matter what you were ranked. It matters what you can do. And so that's important to understand. We have got to be better. And, of course, on uh, Friday we'll come back and we'll preview uh, the entire Western Michigan team. We'll go through the stats. I'll, I'll, I'll share with you some things that I've uncovered about this team. Uh, this is a team that is not especially gifted in a passing game. Uh, they are not a team that um, really challenges you down the field. I'm sure they're looking at the tape right now and thinking, hey, we can do this. Uh, if you read yesterday, Lance Taylor, the coach from Western Michigan, if you read that on Gene's page, I had the article, Everything Coach Taylor Said About Mississippi State. Lance Taylor is a native of Mount Vernon, Alabama. His dad, James Taylor, not the aforementioned singer James Taylor. James Taylor played on the 1973 NAFL championship team at Alabama. So Lance followed in his father's footsteps and played as a walk-on, one of those Bama legacy-type deals. Uh, he was on a team in 2000 that came to Mississippi State and lost to Jackie Sherrill. Came back in 2007 as a graduate assistant, lost to Sylvester Croom. His all-time record in Starkville is 1-2, 1-2. And, two. One and, two. Uh, and he certainly should leave here 1-3. 
but an interesting aside there. You know, you, you think a guy from Western Michigan, you think was probably a guy with ties to the Northeast or the uh, Midwest, but no, he is a uh, Southeastern Conference legacy. And so he'll be familiar with the cowbells. I was amazed they didn't speak more about that in the uh, media opportunity. You know, as I shared earlier in the show, uh, we didn't get a chance to get the uh, audio or the video of the player uh, media opportunity. They said they had some equipment issues. So uh, not much to talk about in that respect. But I think when you begin to break this thing down, uh, this is a team from the MAC that is not expected to be competitive in the MAC. They won a big ball game last week against Ball State. Uh, but this is a two and three team that uh, has really struggled at times. Of course, they have played a very ambitious schedule, played Syracuse and Iowa. Uh, so they'll be battle tested when they get into the heart of conference play. But uh, the reality of it is, is this is a team that Mississippi State should handle, uh, should be able to win going away. And I think like all of you, it's like we're not going to learn much about our team this week unless it's of the negative variety. You got to go out there and take care of business. And that's important for people to understand. And I think everybody involved, as Zach Garnett said on Monday, that he wants us to be an angry football team. And I asked him, I said, Coach, are you angry? And he says, Yes, I am. And he takes a swig of his water. You know, and I think it's important to understand that uh, the same Zach Garnett we have today uh, is the one that we believe so much in throughout the offseason. But what matters most is what happens on the field. That's important to always understand. It doesn't matter who wins a press conference. They don't keep a win and loss total of who does well in the press conference. And there's so much of that. People are like, well, you know, I like this better. I, I, listen, I thought Arnett's press conference on Monday is probably the best one he's had in season. I thought it was outstanding. But it means nothing if we don't go out there on the field and do some good things. I, I have not lost faith in this staff. I, and I do my best to not be a prisoner of the moment. I'm a guy that, uh, you know, I've been a chronic worrier most of my life. But uh, – the thing that sports has taught me is football season's long. Now, it's over before you know it, but it's a long year. A lot happens over the course of the year. People get injured. People get better. People change positions. Coaches begin to learn, you know, the strengths of their players. And that was one of the things that Mike Schmidt said yesterday. We're kind of getting an idea of who we have and what they can do. And so once you kind of know what people are capable of, you can begin to kind of formulate a plan around them. So it's not just a matter of guys getting used to a system. It's the coaches that are implementing the system, kind of figuring out, hey, this is what brings out the best in certain players. Uh, So I think, again, we're kind of at a crossroads in many respects. Uh, I do think Zach Garnett is going to do a good job for us. Uh, We have had some moments this year that things have looked okay and other times when they didn't. People forget, you know, we only had one penalty in game number one. You know, that's coaching, right? I mean, if you're going to have a lot of penalties, you expect it to be in the first game of the year, and we didn't. We were prepared. No pre-snap penalties. And we've had some issues since then. Uh, But by and large, we've been able to kind of overcome many of those penalties. But, um, you know, again, I think we're asking at times our quarterback to do some things that maybe he's not in his wheelhouse. And in addition to that, you know, we've had some injuries. I'm not going to make excuses for anybody, but the reality of it is, is you got to win. Nobody accepts that. Nobody's going to feel sorry for us, and Dave Turner said it best yesterday. We're not going to postpone any games until we get healthy. And he's absolutely right. And uh, DT has been with us, you know, over and over and over again. Mississippi State's basically his home. Starkville is where his wife is probably the most comfortable, probably where she knows the most people. But we've got to figure this thing out. And we've got an opponent this weekend that I hate to call them a hapless opponent because they're not. You know, these guys obviously are believing in a new system and they've had some success uh, in the last week or so. Uh, So, you know, 
they're trying to round in the form. They're going to come down here and say, you know what, this is a chance for us to prove who we are, and it doesn't matter if Mississippi State is struggling. It's an SEC team. Western Michigan is 1-4 uh, all-time against current members of the Southeastern Conference. Two of those wins came – two of those losses came against Missouri when they were not a member of the conference. But the only win that Western Michigan's had against a Southeastern Conference opponent came in 1998 against Vanderbilt. And so, yeah, this is a, a, a team that we should be able to handle. And I think so – more importantly than anything, than winning the football game, we have to look like we know what we're doing. We got to go out there and play angry. We got to go out there and play with an edge. We got to play with execution. You know, you've got more talent. You're playing at home. You have more to prove. Nobody's expecting Western Michigan to win this football game. There's no pressure on them. They can afford to come in here and play loose. They're just here to get a check. We're trying to right the ship. And that's what needs to happen this weekend. Uh, if you hadn't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com. You can pre-order When the Bottom Falls, which is looking like it's going to be delayed in printing, which I absolutely hate. But um, we'll have you an official announcement uh, here in the coming days. I hope to have had it by now. I am dependent on other people uh, for that information. I, my part has been done a long time ago. We're dependent on other people. And there was an issue with the file, whatever, between the printer and the typesetter. So that, all that's been rectified now, but we'll have a date soon. Uh, for you but um, yeah these are the kind of things too that you know it's I'm, I'm such a person of autonomy I hate having to rely on other people but that's a necessary part of life I mean these are things that I don't have the skill set to do I don't have the know-how to get these things done I've got a publisher that handles all that stuff and so we'll get that taken care of but uh, the sports books are all in stock that's uh, Flim Flam Alpha Dogs Stark Villains uh, and <clears throat> Dogpile, and every bulldog deserves a copy of Dogpile, whether you read or not. At some point, you're going to want to go back and relive that NAFL championship season, and you can read the interviews as they happened rather than in hindsight. Uh, I've given myself some credit. You know, I, I kind of planned ahead just in case. Unfortunately, that that uh, that work paid off for us. Uh, we're finishing up some things. Uh, you know, with the new business, we look forward to sharing that with you too. Kind of worked on a deal too with uh, with the university. Uh, we want to be able to give, and of course you got to work through compliance to make sure you're doing things uh, as they should be, but uh, we want to make sure that uh, our flow therapy spa is available to our student athletes that are in concussion protocol uh, as inexpensively as possible. We want to do what we can to help those young people, and that's one of the things that we're going to consider doing too uh, with our high school student athletes in Starkville as well. If they're you know, players that are diagnosed with concussions, uh, we're still navigating through all that, but we want to be a resource for our community uh, to help people. Uh, so that's a big part of it. And uh, you can go to truerest.com and learn more about that. If you hadn't got your Stark Villains gear, go ahead and order today at StarkVillains.com. Uh, we probably need to kick around some new styles. It's been a while. We've been offering the same things for a long time. There's a lot of Boneyard listeners that have the hoodies, and uh, it will be hoodie season soon. Uh, I enjoy hoodie season and blue jean season and uh, Timberland boot season and leather jacket season. I enjoy all of that stuff. Uh, I really do. Uh, I don't like the summer months as much as I used to. I mean, when I was young, I couldn't wait for summer, but I think it was really more just uh, being able to go out and play and not have to go to school. But the older I get, the more I enjoy the fall and the pre-winter, right? And I don't really mind the cold weather as much as many people do, but... Uh, but I know this. I know that. Um, listen, we've got a great ball game. We got to play this weekend regardless of our opponent and we need you to be here i know many people are thinking i'm just going to stay home and watch uh, watch on tv i'm going to ask you to reconsider 
uh, for kind of the mentions, the reasons we mentioned earlier. You know, the team needs you. You know, the staff needs you. The university needs you, and and our Starville merchants need you too. I mean, there's so many people that uh, are so reliant on these ball game weekends to feed their families. And I know many of you would rather spend your money in Starkville than anywhere else, right? Because it's such a special place to you. And so we only get a handful of these a year, right? We get This year we happen to get eight home football weekends, but you think this is the only one in October. So the, the thought of not being in Starkville for a month should be something that gives you a little bit pause about staying home this weekend. You know, of course, we're open date next week at Arkansas, at Auburn. Then we come home for the final month of the season. So this is it. This is the last opportunity for a home football game this month. Now, I know that Halloween is coming up and all that sort of stuff, and you never know what we're going to do. We'll have some fun with it. Uh, but we need you to be here. We do. We, we absolutely need you to be here. And, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to uh, talking about some men's basketball stuff uh, on Friday. You know, Justin Frommer uh, and Dave Murray both went and attended the uh, media opportunity. We've got a couple Bulldogs that aren't going to be available for a while. Uh, but I like our team. I do. I like our team and uh, look forward to a great winter sports season here at Mississippi State. Uh, but before we get you know serious into all of that, we got to get some football stuff going. Well, that's going to do it for today. Uh, and again, as always, uh, two months for a buck over at jeanspage.com. It's a limited time only. It's going to end tomorrow, Thursday at 11 p.m. Central. So if you hadn't taken advantage, I'd encourage you to do it now. Two months for a dollar. And uh, come be a part of that. I think last time I looked, we'd already done 10 stories today. And again, I don't know what your newspaper's done today. I don't know what your other Mississippi State media sources have done today. Uh, we got 10 stories already for you today. And uh, we'll have some more as the evening goes on. And again, nobody covers Mississippi State quite like we do. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.